imagine a Friday evening sitting at a table with other marketers laughing about the things we often see less experienced marketers try or business owners who are trying to DIY things. Tactics and marketing hacks that haven't worked in years or were never really a good idea to begin with. Now this was actually part of a recent Friday night for me. Now we started joking about someone we know who has tried to use many of the tactics that we've all grown to hate. Whether because we've been on the receiving end of these terrible, many times unethical marketing hacks, and I say that in quotes, or because we simply feel bad watching people get taken advantage of. Here's the thing. I know that it is easy for a DIY business owner to get suckered into some of these tactics. Shiny Facebook ads or posts and groups tell you that they made thousands of dollars following this specific system. And do you want to get that um, system? Just drop a link in the comments, whatever. But what can actually happen when you use any of these tactics? You can end up destroying your brand, your reputation, and even violating the law. Now today, we're gonna cover the worst offenders and the ones that if someone tells you to try them, uh, red flag, you need to run away as fast as possible. You're listening to the Captain Coder Podcast. Each week, I take you through actionable strategies that can help you grow your online business. I'm your host, Marisa Vanskyver, aka Captain Coder. Before we dive into all of these marketing hacks, I just want to point out that I know that somebody has probably told you that this is a good idea. Why I'm telling you this is not a good idea, any one of these seven that we're going to cover is because I know what it can do to a business when these are used improperly. I have literally seen businesses try these tactics and quite honestly lose their shirts lose their ranking on Google, get blocked from sending emails whatsoever, there are real consequences to doing some of these hacks. So we're going to dive into seven marketing hacks that I see people recommend all of the time, or I actually am on the receiving end of these supposed hacks, and explain to you why um, that may not be the best idea you've ever had. Now, the number one, scraping emails from LinkedIn or Instagram. I cannot tell you how many cold emails I get in a day. And honestly, I can't tell you that now because I have someone in my inbox helping manage the amount of cold emails I get in a day. I am listed as a CEO on LinkedIn because I am a business bitch, as Kelly Kapoor would say, which gets me targeted by all sorts of companies. Throw in the fact that I work in marketing and I'm a coder, and well, my inbox is full of a huge variety of, frankly, annoying salespeople. You probably know the emails I mean. The ones that tell you that if you don't want to hear any more from them, you just need to respond, unsubscribe. Uh, buddy, I never subscribed in the first place. Why do I have to tell you to unsubscribe me? Or the ones that send you lots of emails with the subject line, uh, just getting this back at the top of your inbox. Look, I'm not sure who is actually teaching this tactic, but the worst thing you can do is to cold pitch someone who never gave you any indication that they'd actually be interested. Grabbing an email off of a social media site so you can slide into their inbox unwanted, 
that's just annoying. And honestly, it is considered spam. And you bet your ass I mark all of them as such. Now, what is the right way to do this? We want genuine connection. Look, I get it. It is a slower tactic. But the best way to build sales through social media networks like LinkedIn and even Instagram is to connect with people and just be genuine about it. Get to know them a bit. Talk to them like a person and slide into their DMs by responding to a story or something that they shared. Show you actually are interested and care about them and, you know, that you're following them and paying attention to them. Honestly, I've stopped adding people to LinkedIn pretty much altogether because I was getting pitched as soon as I added someone. Half the time, they'd not even read my bio and the pitch didn't make sense for me. Just you know what? Just be a human. Do unto others as you would want done unto you. It's as simple as that. Okay, so number two, adding people to your email list without permission. The worst offenders in the email scraping from social media sites don't just send you a cold email. They add you directly to their newsletter lists. Now look, you'll know these, you'll know these because they're different. All of a sudden, you're getting a bunch of email marketing from someone or company you have never heard of. Now, at least with these, it's far easier to unsubscribe from the list because there should be a handy unsubscribe link at the bottom of the email. When I get these, I often report it as spam as well because even in the States, we want you to opt into email marketing lists. This is technically an FCC violation. Now, what's the right way to do this? If you are having an issue growing your email list, I get it. But the wrong way to go about that is to add people who didn't give you permission to do so and then just piss them off. And honestly, they can go in and mark you as spam, report you as spam, report you as as unwanted, and it can completely prevent your ability to send emails anymore instead offer some kind of incentive or freebie in exchange for their email. We are so conditioned to this lead capture tactic now that most people will understand that they're signing up for your list to grab that awesome thing. Just make it awesome enough that people will hand over their email address to you. And then respect the awesome power of having their personal email. That's far more personal than following you on Instagram, and it needs to be treated as such. Now, jumping over to the social media don'ts. Number three, don't invite all your friends to your pages. The amount of people that I know that have not only used this tactic themselves, but have recommended it to paying clients is astounding. Look, The amount of people that follow you is a vanity metric. If you have 400 super devoted followers who engage with your content, that's worth far more than 10,000 people who never hit that like button. A common mistake is inviting all of your friends list, which Facebook does make all too easy to do, to like your new page. 
your friends won't all buy from you. And many of them are just the wrong type of people that you want following you all together. They won't interact with your content and they will make you look bad to the algorithm. Worst is the fact that Facebook uses your followers to target similar people when you run ads, at least in part. So if you've got great Aunt Myrtle and that click of girlfriends from high school following you, chances are people like them are going to see your ads, not the right people. So what's the right way to do this? Now, some of your friends absolutely are the right people to follow your page. When you start a new Facebook page or an Instagram account or a LinkedIn page or whatever it is you're creating, absolutely reach out to people who align with your ideal customer or might work with people who look like your ideal customer. Ask them to give you a follow and engage with their own content when appropriate. And yes, great Aunt Myrtle is probably going to follow you anyway. That's fine. Let her cheer you on. Just, you know, don't also invite her bridge club to the page. Now, number four is follow trains. Ah, the hellish landscape that was Facebook group ideas in 2020. We all wanted connection, so follow trains exploded more than I had seen in really honestly a few years. Now, the basic idea was that everyone dropped their Instagram handle or a Facebook page link, and then everyone in that thread in that group could go follow each other. And yay, you just boosted your followers by maybe 100 plus plus people. Congratulations. Okay, not really. Follow trains are notorious for getting you followers who, again, are not your ideal customer. And worst, people who will forget who you are two seconds after they hit that follow button. It's worse than inviting your friends list because at least they had a minor chance of engaging with anything you put out there. So what's the right way to do this one? Okay, there's not really a right way to follow train. Just avoid this at all costs and run when someone recommends it. Now, if you do want to boost your follower numbers, if you're really tied up on the vanity metrics, you'll need to get outside your own content and engage. Now, one way to do this is to go to follow the people who have careers that you want to emulate and engage in their comment sections. Leave some insights and share your expertise. Just, you know, don't step on anyone's content toes. That's no bueno. Now, you'll be surprised how often their followers might come to your page if they like what you're saying. Number five of these hacks are asking for reviews from any non-customers. Look, reviews on platforms like Google and Facebook help customers decide whether or not they'd like to work with you. Not having reviews at all can look a bit negative because that means no one likes working with you, right? I mean, while we logically understand that that's probably not true, a lot of business owners get really concerned when they have zero reviews on these public platforms. So how do you shortcut that? Well, for you thought it made sense to go ask your other business buddies and maybe members of your BNI group to go and leave you a review, right? I mean, even if they're not a customer, they can talk about what you're like, right? I mean, right? This is one of the worst things you can do. Reviews should be literal third-party proof and should be an authentic representation of your business. When you ask someone who isn't actually a customer to leave you a review, they're basically lying. 
that's a quick way to erode trust, especially when all your views, your reviews are super generic. They can't say anything specific because they've never worked with you. These reviews end up looking like, uh, Mike is a great guy. That doesn't tell anybody anything. It's also, honestly, it's a way to get you in trouble with review platforms for misleading consumers. They want those reviews to be honest. They do not want them to be lies. So what's the right way to get reviews? Instead, you have to ask your actual customers to leave you reviews. And I know, I know this sounds a little bit um, difficult and it can require some work. But all you need to do is send an email to someone you know is super happy with your work and ask them to leave you a Google review. Give them the exact link to your Google My Business page and make it super easy for them to follow through with that request. And it's totally okay to ask them to do it a couple of times if it takes them a minute to get it done. Now, if you work with clients on a regular basis, think after about six months of working with them, send them a feedback request. This will not only help you just improve your business so you know what you're doing right, maybe what you can improve upon, um, but if you like their overall review, ask them if they wouldn't mind sharing that on Google for you as well. Look, the biggest thing you have to do is simply ask, but only ask people that were your actual customers. Now, number six. (laughs) This is one that gets used a lot in today's world of just, you know, the internet cesspool, but using clickbait titles and headlines. People don't like being tricked. Sure, those fancy titles make us click, but when they're misleading, they can make them angry, too. You know what I'm talking about. You click that news article or BuzzFeed post because you thought you'd be reading about one thing, but when you got to the bulk of the article, you find out that the headline doesn't really match the copy, or maybe it overblew something that, you know, wasn't really true. While a clickbaity headline can work to bring people to your website and get them to, you know, click, it can erode trust and make you a bit of a joke. See BuzzFeed. Because, I mean, who really believes anything they put out there anymore? Look, the right way to do this, you need to write headlines that encourage people to click. Just make sure they always match the content of the actual article. It's not that hard. My own headline for this podcast episode of marketing hacks you should never use Uh, Yes, it's intriguing and it's powerful, but it fully matches what the episode is about. Just leave out the tricks, man. I don't think I can get away with saying man either. (laughs) All right, number seven, writing your content for Google. Now, this hack hasn't really worked for years, and it certainly won't keep working for much longer, but it doesn't mean I don't see a crap ton of people still recommending it. Google is who is ranking your website in their search results, but it's the people clicking on your website that Google cares about. When you write your content for search engines, your actual audience won't connect with it. No one wants to read keyword stuffed, poorly written content. Not only that, Google algorithms get more and more sophisticated all of the time. They read your content much like a user can and can deduce the context of your copy. 
Plus, if someone comes to your website, doesn't find the answer they need, and leaves, well, that's going to take you down in the search results. Google looks at whether or not they engaged with your website. They know whether or not they read it and whether or not they liked what they read. There is a ton of reasons that this just isn't the right thing to do. So how do you write your content instead and still get it to rank well on Google? Just write for your customer. The person that matters is the one that's actually going to spend money with you. I mean, Google isn't buying from you after all. Your entire website, blog, posts included, should be written to benefit your ideal customer and show them how your services can help them solve their problems. Sure, you're going to use some keywords, but that's gonna make sense in context. Focus on quality of writing. Google will understand and rank you accordingly. And believe me, that's only getting better by the day. Well, listen, I just need you to understand that not all marketing hacks are created equal. I mean, I get it. We all want quick results. You just want to grow your business so that your income is stable. You get that freedom you've been looking for, and you can have better control over your time. I mean, that's why all of us started our own businesses, right? Uh, The downside to marketing is that a lot of the high quality tactics simply take time. Hell, even a good social media strategy can take a year to really take hold and start paying you back. But the reality is that much in life, there are no real shortcuts to marketing. The above hacks are shortcuts that people have taken and they may have worked because they just didn't get caught that time. That doesn't mean they're going to work for you in the long term. And that's definitely not the foundation you want to build your business and your marketing on. And honestly, at the end of the day, they're often going to do more damage than good for you in six months time or less. So focus on building the right foundation, create good content, put your customer first, the rest will fall into place. Thank you all for tuning in to our show this week. To catch more Captain Coder, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Now, if you have any questions or you want to learn more about digital marketing and how it can help grow your online business, follow us on Instagram at Captain Coder or visit us online at captcoder.com. Can't wait to talk to you all again next week.